Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, we have a packed episode for you today. I am going to be chatting with my friend and fellow author, Laura Tremaine. She just wrote a book called Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, and we talk about 
everything, everything from motherhood to pandemic shaming to um, being writers and people on the internet. We have a really great conversation that I think you'll find really interesting. I'm also going to be chatting with BJ. BJ recently took a solitude retreat. And she had some epiphanies on that about self-care and digging deeper into that. So we're going to chat about that. But first, I'm going to do a self-care check-in with Rue. Rue, how is your self-care going? I think my self-care is going pretty well in spite of a few... Um, you know, monkey wrenches that get thrown into place. External so, circumstances. Yes, yes. So um, I had a little health thing that I'll update on in another episode once I get real substantial updates to share. But um, in the midst of everything, I was still making sure I was eating like at least one really healthy meal a day, which might not seem like a big deal. But for me, it is... <laughs> It is a win. Um, and then also just uh, getting, you know, some movement and whether that's just making like my step, making sure my step count is at a reasonable number or getting in a workout before I hop on the train for work. Nice. Yeah. So it's been, it's been fine. Like I, I think that I have been rolling with the punch as well, which is, you know, uh, I read the tweet that says 2021 is just um, 20, uh, three 2020s in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> please no, please no. And yes, please no. But I mean, January was pretty hairy. So mm-hmm. I think that I am, I'm going into February with new excitement and zeal. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I am I am pleased to report. So in our last episode, we talked about simplifying and automating, like kind of avoiding decision fatigue. And so right. I have really been moving into automating. And I've talked about this before, um, but I think I've really honed it at this point. So I have started getting groceries delivered, um, produce delivered, I should say, from a company called Imperfect Foods. Have you heard of this one? Kristen, I was this morning, I was looking up what I should try in Perfect Foods or Misfit Market. And I was reading the review. So I'm just going to listen to you right now. Well, I haven't tried the other one. But Imperfect Foods, I actually heard about this from another podcast that I love, um, which is the Lazy Genius, but she talks about using Imperfect Foods. And so what it is, is it's basically produce that is about to go bad, or that is too weird looking for general market. And so I like the fact that it's kind of saving things from the landfill. Um, But here's what I – this is the surprise part that I really love about that I wasn't expecting when I ordered it. Because initially I was like, yeah, I'll try this like sustainable groceries. That's nice. But what I didn't realize I would love so much about it is they give you a shopping window and they give you an automated delivery time. So I know every single Wednesday I'm getting a grocery delivery, a produce delivery. And then between, I th- I want to say it's between Friday and Sunday, I can fill my box up. So I feel like I've I've done you know some some services before where you get produce, but they they give you what they have, and right. then I've got like fifteen beets that I'm never going to use, <laughs> right? Like, have you done those before? Like, 
I haven't for that exact reason because right. I'm not I'm not good at cooking unless I have a recipe. So if yes. you throw a bunch of ingredients at me, I am not sure what to do with them. And I also have very picky kids. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't need I don't need like, you know, a pound of pearl onions that I have to figure out what to do with. Right. So you you can absolutely customize your box and they in addition to produce, they also have they have meats, um very inexpensive and like high quality meats, like organic, a lot of organic stuff. So I feel like having that window gives me enough time to like, I remember like I have to fill my box and then I know it's coming. I don't have to fight for an Instacart slot. You know what I'm saying? Or like remember to do it because I know I have to do it. Like right. it's a deadline. It's a forced deadline. But what? What's? how is the produce? Like it's great. It's great, but you do have to use it pretty quickly. But nothing comes like – like there are no sweet potatoes that come where you have to chop off half and you can't use half of it. No, but they might be a weird shape. It might be irregularly large or small or kind of weird looking. But but maybe 5% is like that. Most of it just looks normal to me. Okay. Yeah, that I can – that – I can do weirdly shaped. I'm always worried that someone's going to send me – that's my only – I'm always worried that someone's going to send me a vegetable that has gone bad and I don't realize it and I cook it and then whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, no, but that's that's interesting. I'm going to have to – I will try out Imperfect Foods then. Or maybe I should try out Misfit Markets and then we can compare and contrast. Oh, that's a good idea. That's actually a good idea. Well, for anyone who wants to try Imperfect Foods, I will put a link in the show notes I think I – have a coupon. I should know that before I'm saying this, but I'm pretty sure if someone uses my link, it gives them some money off. I will, I will put in our um, selfie podcast community what that what that discount is if I indu- indeed have one. Um, but I'm really liking it. It's making us eat way more vegetables, and then because I know it's coming on Wednesday, I've also just started. We basically have like a sous chef chopping party on Wednesday. Like when it comes, I make the kids chop everything up. Oh, that's great. That's really smart. Right. And if we all do it, like it gets done pretty fast. And then all I'm having to do is throw it on a roasting pan, you know, before dinner, um, which has really – it. honestly, it has really upped my game, I have to say. Like I'm not overselling it. It's really upped my game. So I'm doing that for produce and meat – And then I've mentioned this before, and I know Amazon is not the best company, but we're in a pandemic and I'm doing what I can. But I've really automated my dry goods on Amazon using Prime, Mm -hmm. using um, the um, subscribe and save. So if you do that, it's 15% off. So I'm getting like chia, I'm getting hemp hearts, I'm getting, um, you know, like, you know, dry goods, pantry stuff, right? mac and cheese, um, all of that automated from Amazon. And that one just comes every month. Once a month, I have it coming. Um, Peanut butter, stuff like that. Um, And then I'm still using thistle for my lunches. So I'm still getting pre-made salads from thistle, which I love. I actually just ate one. How often do you actually have to Instacart now? Never. Oh, that's nice. No, that's it. Between these three things, that's it. That's all I'm doing. My biggest gripe with Instacart is that 
they don't seem to care much about checking in with substitutions. Mm -hmm. Ships, they do a really good job. Mm -hmm. But for me, if I'm picking a specific brand, sometimes it's because my kids are allergic to the other brand. Mm -hmm. And so I'll I'll get groceries sometimes and I'm like, oh, darn it, this isn't the brand. And my kids are allergic to this brand. And now I have to rethink dinner or whatever. Well, and speaking of produce going bad, I've really gotten horrible produce from Instacart shoppers. So bad. Like, wow, you picked this. Now, that said, you know, allow us to disclaim not all not all Instacart shoppers, but yes, uh-huh. I have had I have had a couple times where it's hit or miss. Right. Or they don't check the eggs in the egg carton mm-hmm. or, you know. Anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that I'll have to do. I I feel like I can do just this and I can hit Trader Joe's like once a month. I and, think we need good. to – I think this could become a series, just how we automate and um, minimize decision fatigue because after last week's episode, we got so much feedback ar- around this. We did. It'd be great to keep uh, coming up with ideas to do that because I know I'm always on the hunt for ways to free up brain space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about two thumbs up? What do you have for this week? Yeah. Okay. I found a new tea. This is. Should I just do a tea every week? <laughs> really? <laughs> you guys know I love tea, and I'm off caffeine, and so I really have to be creative in finding decaf teas. So it's very exciting when you find a good decaf tea. Um. So this tea is a company called Charity, like charity, but ending with the tea. And Got so it. it's a great like give you know giving back brand. But oh my gosh, they have a a fruit tea called Berry Fields Forever. I'm not even sure if there's anything in it other than dried fruit. It makes the most delicious berry fruity tea. That's just the right amount of tart. It's actually very tart. Um, but I is this a, love it. Is this it. a morning tea? A morning tea or an evening tea? Um, well, because I'm decaf, it's an all-day tea. But mm. no, I would say I would actually I would say that this is like a snack tea, like a dessert tea. It's really fruity. That is nice. It I, has hibiscus in it too, so it's not just fruit. But I mean, you take that canister up to your nose and smell it, and it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, what? Wait, hold on. I, <laughs> I'm outing myself here. Ooh, hibiscus, is that just, what is that, an herb, a plant? A flower. Oh, a flower. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's a flower that's used in like a lot of decaf teas. <laughs> If you told me it was a fruit, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Uh, mm. Well, here's the thing is that my tea is limited to once in a while I'll go super fancy. And then often I'm drinking Lipton, which is, you know. Basic bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also three cents a tea bag, you know. Um, anyway. Totally. Yeah. No, this this is – it's it's a – I would say it's a splurge tea. Um, oh, and I'm going to say this is a – this is I'm adding to this as part of this um, two thumbs up. So it's a loose leaf tea. And so I've always struggled with loose leaf teas because I feel like they're really messy to clean up. Like I love it. And then I have to like, you know, submerge a ball, but then I have to like clean the ball out. So I finally found these um, tea infusers and I found them on Amazon. And they are just like a metal strainer, but they're like about like – maybe two thirds the size of a standard coffee cup. And then they have a really wide lip. So you set it on your coffee cup, you pour the hot water into it, and then you just pull it out. 
And it's way easier to clean up than like one of those that you have to like the balls that screw together. Right. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that's nice. So it's like a little like a, just like a little like a baby colander. It is absolutely a baby colander. It's a baby colander for your coffee cup. And then when you're done, you know, you just like I usually like kind of bang it on the trash can and everything falls out and then you rinse it out. Ooh, that is nice. I really like it. Yeah. And it's easier for my kids. My kids really like this particular tea, actually. And then this company, Charity, also has um, one of those color-changing teas that's fun for kids where you – like What? Yeah, where you put the lemon into it and it turns like from purple to pink. It's um, pea shoots, I think, is what's in it that does it. But my my girls like to drink that because they like to watch it change color. Oh, I'll have to check that out for yeah, my it's, girls. It's fun. It's actually that's a good <laughs> color changing tea is a good like boredom buster in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> like, what can we throw? At this? We're grasping at straws. We're like anything, I know. anything. I know. We made homemade pop tarts the other night. We're like, what can we make? What can we do? I, I did uh, painters tape on my you know the wood floor and made hopscotch indoor hopscotch. Oh, that's so, fun. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay, and then my second is um, – so still on the eczema journey, <laughs> but I found a very nice lotion for those of us that are allergic to everything on our skin. Um, it's Silveco, and they have a whole body care line, but they have a very nice sensitive skin lotion that, for me, does not exacerbate anything and keeps the eczema under control. That's great. I need to look into that because um, the, all of the hand washing has been uh, yeah horrible for my girls. So I'll have to I'll have to take a peek. Yep. What do you got? Okay, the first one is uh, it's pronounced Way, but it's O U A I. It's that hair care yes. brand Way. Yes. And so I have said on this podcast before that I will buy very cheap shampoo and very mm-hmm. cheap conditioner and I will save my money for the styling products and Same. yeah the way hair oil is so nice it is not mm. it is not cheap for like the teeny bottle it's $14 the big bottle it's $28 but I will just put you know a couple pumps into my hand and run it through my hair and it's just it smells nice it makes my hair softer it kind of tames all of like the the bigness that happens, especially if I'm blow drying. I really, really like it. I think this is going to be a new holy grail hair product for me. I've been using it for about a month now. Now, I haven't tried this one and I really want to. I've tried other products of theirs, but not this oil. They they make really good stuff. They do. And they just actually came out with like this curly hairline as well. And my hair is, you know, my hair is actually kind of like yours. It gets wavy. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking maybe, maybe I could try, maybe I could splurge on a shampoo or something. So we'll see. Mm. My second one is going to sound self-congratulatory, but um, it was the end of December where I was getting ready for the new year, and I made these decluttering chore cards for everyone in the house, mm. and everyone got a stack of cards, and or I actually hung them from clothespins. Like I made a little yes. clothesline. You know, pick a card, that's your chore, and that was for decluttering, and I got a lot of really good feedback on that. Um, so I worked with a friend of mine and we made these declutter cards, but then we also made 
regular chore cards too. So it's these chore cards where you can just, you know, print them out. It's super economical to print them yourselves on cardstock. Or if you don't like to print things, we can also send you a pack. But So cool. But it has like cute illustrations and it looks like – I mean, I think they're super cute. They're cute super illustrations. cute. There are ones where you can kind of fill in the blank. And I think for some kids and even for me as an adult, it's nice to have a tangible to-do list where it's this thing, then yes. this thing, and then this thing. Or here are your three cards for the morning. Here are your three cards for the morning. Totally. So we've really been enjoying this. So I actually don't have the website pulled up, but I think one's like – Two ninety nine, and the other is four ninety nine, maybe. So I'm looking at not- it right now. Yeah, super affordable. So people just buy it, and then it's on Etsy. They buy it, and then they can print it themselves. Yes, yes, so you can smart. print it yourself. And if you don't have a printer or you don't want to deal with it, we do have the cards where yeah. for the chore cards that you can just buy a pack. We printed oh a gosh, small run this. just to see. Yeah, so fun. I really, I think tangible for ki- especially younger kids. I mean, I love the fact that there's illustrations. I love this. I think it's great for for people who have kids who are kind of budding readers too because yes. it provides some context clues. Mm-hmm. So um and then you know at at one point we they were starting to look like cute playing cards or um you know you know pick a card or mm-hmm. I don't know I think there's some fun incentives that could be had mm-hmm. in there as well. Totally. I love that. I love that you guys did that. All right, we have Laura Tremaine up, but first we're going to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor. This is an especially good one for anybody who's looking for a Valentine's gift for someone else or looking for some hints to drop to their partner because we have a 15% off deal for you from now until February 14th. Anna Luisa is a jewelry company with amazing design as well as a sustainable mission. We love brands that are pursuing ethical manufacturing, and this is one. In addition to making beautiful earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, their company offsets 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials. They create their jewelry in limited batches to ensure highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste. They're also committed to quality with long-lasting pieces that are created from high-quality metals, and they have a full-year warranty to back it up, with fair prices starting at $39. But let's talk about the pieces. Rue, what did you get? Okay, so I got the Eve, the Eve necklace, and it's super pretty. It has, it's, I really like pendant necklaces, and the pendant is this really pretty blue enamel, dark blue enamel, which I really like. Um, And then I also got the bold ear cuff, which is nice Mm. for people who want to look edgier, but don't want to have the extra piercing. (laughs) So I think you and I both have three piercings in one ear and two in another. And this kind of just hooks around, you know, that other part of your ear. I I don't know what it's called. But I think it looks really neat and kind of edgy, and especially if you're you're wearing your hair back. So um, I got that as well. And they're both really, really pretty. How about you? Well, I got two sets of earrings. So I have had an issue with um, I want to wear earrings every day, but I need earrings that are small enough to sleep in because I forget to put them in. So I just want permanent earrings. So they have these really cute, um, it's called the Claire, but they're ball hoop earrings. So from the front, it looks like, you know, just a little ball, like a little stud. And then there's a little loop that goes around coming in from the back. Does that make sense? Right. So there's no like sticky outy part. Yes. And so they look like they're really comfortable to sleep in. And then I got the duo, which are, which 
I want to wear, so I'm going to wear the Claire in my second hole and then the Duo in my first hole, and they are gold double hoops, but little tiny hoops. So you've just got like a little tiny nesty hoop and then one more. So it's just a tiny dangle, but comfortable enough to sleep in. These pieces are a fantastic gift for yourself and the ones you love. Anna Luisa is offering selfie listeners 15% off all products at the link analuisa.com slash selfie. Last day to guarantee standard shipping before Valentine's Day is February 10th. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash selfie. As always, the link will be in our show notes. We talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blades cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white,
bright pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. All right. Well, we are going to be chatting with my friend, Laura Tremaine. She is a podcaster. She is a blogger, a writer, and she is launching her first book um, this week, actually. Um, It is called Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. Hey, Laura. Hi, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I am... I'm so happy. I mean, I have to tell you, I have been looking forward to chatting with you. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, in a normal year, you and I would see each other several times a year. There would be, you know, we would see each other at Jillian's house or at a conference or we would plan a lunch date or something. And I haven't seen you in like a year. So I'm really excited to talk to you. I know. I've just missed seeing people and just being normal. It's really taking a toll as we approach the year mark. It really is. I am feeling that. I'm feeling that. And it's like, I know that there's, you know, kind of a, a silver light at the end of the tunnel, you know, where we know that vaccines are coming, but it's hard not knowing when those are coming for everyone or when they're coming for our kids. You know, it's still like kind of an unknown of like how mm-hmm. much longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my, you know, I live in Los Angeles. And so my kids are probably not going back to school anytime soon, even no. with the vaccine. Los Angeles has not done a stellar job in that rollout. And so yeah. I feel like even if we are able to maybe start to feel a little safer about seeing people, my schedule with the kids at home yeah, is such that you know, it's not conducive to regular life. It's not. It's not. I was just yesterday thinking like, I was like mourning the time of my life when I had the mornings to myself. Like, I was like, I've not been alone in this house and I don't even know when. (laughs) Like, remember when they used to go off to school? I was a better mother when they used to go off to school. For sure. For sure. I am – yes, I am not doing super great with the lack of any alone time. No, and I've just let all my rules go. Like I feel like I was a pretty good mom in terms of like boundaries and house rules and like things like that. That is all gone. We have no screen time rules. We have no bedtime rules. Our hygiene rules are iffy. Like it is, it is so a funny. whole hot mess over here. Well, I vacillate because I will let things go, and then I start trying to control things as some like coping mechanism, you know. So then I'm like. This is ridiculous. We're all going to clean every day and we're all going to, you know. (laughs) I'm in that mode right now, which will be short-lived because I'll get tired of it and, you know, everyone will resent me. (laughs) All right. So I want to give our listeners a little background on who you are for anyone who um, 
does not know you. I mean, you you tell your whole story in your book, which is so good. I mean, I've told you this already. I got to read it early. I loved it so much. Um, but for people who don't know you, you were born in Oklahoma. That's right. Lived I there moved to yeah your whole life, right? Went to college there. Mm-hmm. You know, had barely traveled or done anything for the first like twenty one, twenty two years of my life. Yeah. And then I moved to Los Angeles after I graduated, and I had never been to Los Angeles before. I moved here sight unseen. <laughs> Which is- I I love that about you, too. I It just feels like that's such a ballsy move. Like, did it feel ballsy at the time? Kind of. But also, I had gone through a really bad breakup, yeah. and I had been planning the move with my college boyfriend. And we broke up. And so when I moved here without him, it was there was a lot of sort of depression involved and mm-hmm. also some defiance. <laughs> so like my mindset was not like in this healthy, ballsy, like I'm being brave and bold. Like that was not my approach yeah. in, in my mind. And so when I look back, I can see that it was brave and I'm so glad I did it. But you know, that wasn't sort of the energy I was moving in at the time. <laughs> I think what's interesting about your story too, and I'm curious to hear your take on this, but I feel like as someone who, you know, lives in Southern California, and I understand the entertainment business somewhat, though I'm not in it, but I've been, you know, adjacent to it. It is really, really difficult for someone to move to California, number one, because it's so expensive to live here. But number two, move to California and then like actually get a job in the entertainment industry. Like if you knew then what you know now, would you think it was even ballsier? You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Like I would not want my daughter to do what I did. I can't believe my parents just – I mean, I can. I can believe my parents just let me do it. But it it seems like – you know, unbelievable now. I will say that it was one of those things where the stars kind of aligned. And if there had been a ton of resistance, like if I had been completely unable to find a job or if my mental health had taken a turn where I couldn't have stayed out here, like the whole story would be different. But because at the time a few things lined up, I had a friend of a friend of a friend who worked at MTV I got in there on just the lowest production assistant ladder and then made some friends who, you know, continued to help me out because that's how it works in entertainment. But, you know, if those things hadn't have happened, I just – I don't want to paint it like I was this like (laughs) trailblazer making my own way. I mean, I can paint – You were I can. I can. I can look at it that way. And some days I guess I do. But I also like also want to say – a lot of us have times in our life where we can't even explain why doors just open or yeah. stars align or like things just sort of happen and it just feels like, oh, this is the path. I'm just going to keep walking it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't out of some like deep strength of my part. If there'd been a door that was closed and doors were closed, I had that breakup, I had some other things. And yeah. so I was sort of following in some ways where things were flowing. Yeah. And – and it ended up working out, but you know, I'm just careful to paint it as like I was no real <laughs> trailblazer. <laughs> uh, okay, and then you move out to California. You do end up getting a job in the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. You end up working with a director, and mm-hmm. 
I have to tell you, you write about your love story with your now husband in your book. And I, I love your love story. I really do. I Mm -hmm. love that it was nonlinear. I love that it was confusing. I love that you guys were friends for so long first. Um, It was a real joy to read that in your book. Oh, thank you. Even I, I love our story. It was just really cool to read it written out. I love our love story too. You know, my husband and I are 13 years apart. Mm-hmm. I met him on the first movie that I worked on when I lived out, when I had just moved out here. The first movie I worked on was Jackass the movie. <laughs> that was his first movie also. And so he was like the highest of the totem pole. I was the lowest at the totem pole. Uh-huh. We're 13 years apart. So our relationship in the beginning was, you know, there was just some very obvious boundaries. And so we were able to get to know one another just as humans before it turned romantic. And God, like I, that was, that's the way to go really, because we respected each other in a work sense. We started to know each other as people and become friends Yeah, long before, you know, anything romantic happened. And when I look back, I can see that those there was like two years of that. There was that mm-hmm. was a real foundation yeah. for the romance piece is easy, right? Like you can have chemistry with a lot of people. You can have attraction with a million people. But the sort of the foundational things, yeah. the compatibility or whatever, that's that's an intangible that's so important. I so agree. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, all of that external stuff washes away. And it's like, who do you want to come home to and talk to your day about, you know? Yeah. With like, who's, and who's the person that you want to have your home conversations with? Well, I realized, so Jeff and I lived in the same neighborhood when, after that movie was over, he started a TV show that I also worked on. And we would carpool to Santa Monica. Well, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, traffic is insane. So we yeah. were spending two hours a day, you know, an hour oh, to yeah. Santa Monica, an hour back two hours a day in the car together. And we wouldn't always talk, but this was pre-smartphone days. This was early 2000s. And so we would listen to music or we would talk or we would just be quiet. I mean, listen, if you have sat in traffic with someone for (laughs) 10 hours a week for like a year, like you know who they are at their core. If you still like them, they are your soulmate after that. Yes. And so I was like, okay, we can navigate anything if we can navigate this city every single day. Like, yeah. I love it. So you, you know, you move to Hollywood, you get a job in the entertainment industry, and then you find yourself married to a Hollywood director, which I still giggle about because I had known you for a bit before I knew who your husband was. Mm. And I don't think it's um, – it, if someone said like, Hollywood housewife blogger is married to a Hollywood director, I don't think I would have guessed jackass. <laughs> I know. He's not exactly like the type of director people – think of. Um, but I love it. And I've told you this before. I mean, we went and saw Jackass like at midnight the night that it came out. Like we were those people. Like you got to, yeah. you know. There's we a lot of those huge people. fans. <laughs> There's a lot of those people. Yeah. And I mean, they. I do have to say having not just been married to Jeff now for a long time, but also having met him on that set, having been, been on that set a lot, is they make something that just looks like you could shoot in your backyard. There mm-hmm. is an art to it that people yeah. absolutely do not see. Like absolutely. there is a real art to what they are doing. Yeah. And Jeff is an artist. I mean, he came from skateboard world or he was 
making a magazine. And Mm -hmm. so they make it look easy. You know, the things that look the easiest are often, you know, behind the scenes, like really, uh, um, there's a magic to it, you know? Yeah. And he has since made, you know, more, I guess, mainstream movies. Yes. And commercials and TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. He's a a full-blown director. Oh, he's incredibly (laughs) talented. Yes. I loved, um, we also loved his last movie, which you were, I I loved your warnings of like, it's a little, it's rated R. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he made the dirt for Netflix and I just so good. was super proud to, you know, post about it online or whatever, but I have a very very different corner of the internet than he does. You do. And so I just had to be like, everyone, listen, this is if you are a sensitive viewer, please don't watch this. Please don't yes. even turn this on. This is not safe for sensitive viewers. Totally. Okay, so fast forward, you are now married to a director, you are not working in the entertainment industry because you had to sort of step away from the job that you were in. Mm-hmm. And then you decide, I'm going to write a blog. Well, I decided to write the blog because I was super lonely. Yeah. And I had come to California, I'd come to Hollywood to be a writer. That's what I thought I wanted to do when I moved here. It's the only reason I came here and I had just not written anything in like a decade. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I realized once I got out here and started working in the entertainment industry that I actually did not want to be a TV or movie writer. Like, I I didn't have any experience in that. I don't even think I would have talent at that. But I did want to write something. And this is when mommy blogs were super popular. And I was at home all day with a new baby without very many friends because all of my friends had been on TV shows that I was working on. They'd been like work friends, really. And they were all still working. I didn't have any mom friends. I didn't, you know, I just didn't have anything to do with my day. And so blogging, as you will Mm -hmm. recall, is so satisfying. It is. (laughs) You write a thing and you publish a thing. And that just doesn't happen like in any other, you know, industry. I don't feel like where you create a thing and then you can share it immediately. Yeah. Like that was such a novelty in the beginning. And so I like loved it. And I took it, I took blogging really seriously. I blogged five days a week for many years, Mm -hmm. which means, which meant that I was like writing and creating and interacting every single day. And it was like a discipline, like any other, but also the, you know, the thing that you do every day is going to shape your life. And it really made a huge difference in my life, the mommy blogging world. And I like, I don't regret any of that stuff. I agree. I mean, it's interesting because our our paths are very different, but our stories are also similar in that I started blogging really out of loneliness as well. Um, I had left, you know, full-time employment um, because I had the little kids at home and I, I just was not able to make it work. And then I had also left a church where all of my friend group was and that sort mm. of – I had sort of pulled away from a friend group. And so I think I also turned to it for connection. And I mean, I know this is true for you. I like, I would say a vast majority of my closest friends today are people I met because I had a blog. Yes. It made a huge difference to me to meet people yeah. like that shared the same interests I did because for me, it was other bloggers that I really connected to because mm-hmm. they were as obsessed as I was with the kind of things they were writing and sharing. And then also like they cared about how their blog looked or maybe the marketing of it. And these were other women like me who had no background in marketing or internet things, but 
we were like loving it. Yeah. And my other friends, like my childhood friends, let's say, they did not understand anything about like my internet world. Like they didn't, and no, nor did they care or want to know. And so when I met other women who like, they ticked all these boxes of a lot of them were moms. These were mommy bloggers. A lot of them were also getting really into like the tech and mm-hmm. marketing savvy and all of this stuff of blogging. I just felt like, oh my gosh, we've found each other. And I would, I could not have found that in my real life. I don't feel like. Yeah. I feel that too. I feel that too. So you and I were both like hot and heavy with blogging and then you eventually decided to kind of hang it up. What what made you – was that hard? Was it hard to like let go of a thing that you'd put so much time and energy into? It it was hard when I first started to think about it, but then when it was – when I actually like closed it, it wasn't hard. I'll tell you what the main reason that I decided to close – my blog was because it was called Hollywood Housewife. Mm-hmm. Now that's a fun name, that's a catchy name, and it was a literal name at the time we lived right under the Hollywood sign. Uh huh. I wasn't working, and I was finding like a lot of weird identity issues around being a person who didn't have a traditional job. Uh huh. Now again, this was twelve years ago. I've worked some of those issues out, but at the time, Hollywood Housewife was like had a lot of meaning to me and was also sort of a joke at the same time. Well, yeah. when I started to work those issues out, I just started to feel like I don't – this name isn't going to be taken seriously. Like I'm trying to be a serious writer. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I had yeah. outgrown yeah. that portion of cutesy names on yeah. mommy blogs. You know, like yeah. every a lot of people were transitioning to using their real names and like some other things. I didn't want to use my real name. I didn't want to go in that – I mean, I use my real name, but I didn't want to do like lauratremaine.com as a uh-huh. blogger. And so it kind of started to be like, when I got to be embarrassed of saying Hollywood Housewife all the time, I was like, okay, it's time. I need yeah. to hang this up if I'm like cringing at it. Yeah. Um, and and I had already started podcasting. I was a co-host on the Sorta Awesome podcast by then. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had a direction to go. It's harder to yeah. walk away when you're like, I don't know what's next. But now yeah. I had a direction and I had a reason to be like, I'm tired of saying this silly blog name all the time. <laughs> and you made such a great transition. I, I felt, I mean, such a great brand transition because then you kind of, you shifted and you started a podcast called 10 Things to Tell You and which really, I think, you know, lended itself to pushing you into the book that you wrote. But I feel like when you shifted to 10 Things to tell you, like, you really leaned into your curiosity as a person. And what I think is your just like genius ability to start conversations and ask interesting questions. Yeah, starting 10 things to tell you was like, you know, by the time I started that, I was sort of 10 years into online life. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was finally ready to take like everything I had learned of value from mommy blogging, which was a ton. Also, now social media was a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd cut my teeth podcasting as a co-host somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was finally able to sort of take all these things I'd learned and it like was, you know, was a big culmination of it into 10 things to tell you of all the things I liked and wanted to talk about. Yeah. Which, and I love it. And you always talk about the most interesting topics. And I love the fact that you are, you manage to talk with expertise. I mean, you're you're incredibly smart, but you manage to do it in such a way that it feels like a conversation and it lends to conversation. I mean, I have to tell you, I I know you and I are both avid Voxer users and we have kind of like friend groups that live on Voxer and chat on Voxer mm-hmm. all day. 
And I have a very close friend group on Voxer, and they, we were just chatting about like, hey, let's use Laura Tremaine's prompts for the new year, like the next time we get together. Like you just do such an amazing job of facilitating conversation. Oh, I love that you told me that. Thank you for telling me that. I will also tell you that you came on 10 Things to Tell You last year to talk about COVID shame. Yes. And that was the biggest reaction I feel like I have gotten to an episode ever was that episode. Interesting. Well, I think it was such an interesting topic. And in fact, I mean, I have written down one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was to revisit that topic. I'm curious. So we we talked about shame in the midst of a pandemic, and that was pretty close to the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was a little, you know, a couple months in. And we talked about, you know, mothers shaming other moms and what they're letting their kids do or, you know, have we had birthday parties that we didn't share online? And I'm curious, like, do you feel like that dynamic has changed? Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, if we had that conversation now, we could do a revisit of that conversation and it would be really different. I mean, I was thinking about that episode and why it got such a huge reaction. It was Mm -hmm. early. I think it was in May. Mm-hmm. And so Los Angeles, California, Southern California was really much more locked down than yeah. a lot of people who were listening. So I think you either listened to it with like a curiosity or you listened to it and you were just baffled that that's what was happening in California. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what we were talking about and a lot of how people were receiving it is we were in that really acute stage of fear mm-hmm. in May. Still, there was so much fear and you know, when we talked about the shame aspects of that or whatever. Well, now when I look around on that sort of similar topic of how people are feeling about COVID, it's not as fear-based. It's like so anger-based. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I just feel like there is so much anger. There's anger that, you know, you've stayed home and no one else has. There's anger that People are staying home and they should be living their lives. There's anger that so many people have died. There's anger that – I mean, there's just like our our fear, Mm -hmm. which was valid, has morphed into this Mm -hmm. like very, very frenetic, frazzled anger that is permeating a lot. I think you're right. And I think it's an anger that is fueled by exhaustion and fueled by resentment and both sides resent each other. I think the people that are being very strict and staying home and quarantining feel resentful of the people who are not, you know? Yeah. Um, But then I think the people who are like, well, I've got to go live my life feel resentful because there might be a little twinge of like, hmm, maybe, you know, maybe I feel some guilt. So then instead of feeling those feelings, I'm just going to get mad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to identify with, you know, perhaps I'm being reckless, so I'm just going to be mad at everyone who makes me feel bad. Yeah, it's a lot. I got a ton of reaction to that episode, but really that was just a conversation. We didn't have like – in most of my episodes, I ask a big question and then we yeah. Answer the question. That conversation was just us sort of talking through our feelings at the moment. And I don't know, people can get real triggered by, (laughs) by conversations. And I understand why they did. I mean, I don't, you know, everybody gets to have their own feelings, but I just thought it was so interesting that, that we were talking about something very relevant and timely and that it, it 
took such a, you know, people received it in a certain way. Well, people have big feelings about it. And I also, I will say this too, it is also difficult because you and I live in California and regional differences on this topic are acute, you know? So Uh, it's like you and I, like I see photos of football games happening and I'm like, what world, what? Like everything is canceled here. My kids, you know, our kids are home from school. We do not have sports. We do not have school dances. We have there's nothing. And so, you know, that's normal to us because that's the milieu we're in. But like I have friends in Texas who are like, you know, their kids went to homecoming and they're getting ready for prom and it's that's normal to them. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's one of the reasons I keep sharing online about pandemic stuff, even though like we're all weary of this topic a little bit, but just my personal experience because I have so many so much family in Oklahoma. Yeah. So many friends across the country. And I want to be like, listen, we're not on the same planet right now. No, we're like, not. even if I wanted to go to a football game, like I couldn't. There's not a no. football game happening within 500 miles. I mean, like, we can't even go out to eat. Like, oh no, we cannot even go out to eat. I tried to tell my sister that the other day who's in Oklahoma. I was like, do you know I haven't eaten in a restaurant in seven oh. months. And she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she, We talk all the time and she still had not connected the dots of like what was happening out here. That's why we need to keep yeah. sharing those things. I've been like, reminder, yeah. Californians haven't eaten out in a while. <laughs> My boyfriend and I went, we got takeout and they had picnic tables and we sat on picnic tables and we were like, oh my gosh, we're like <laughs> on a date. <laughs> like for the first time in like a year. Because oh, we yeah. ate takeout in takeout containers on a picnic table. We were like, this is amazing. <laughs> what a world. What a world. Oh, my word. Okay. So I wanted to ask you this because, and I've told you this before, I, you are a voice online that I feel like is always hosting really relevant and interesting conversations. I, it, I mean, that I hope you... I hope you feel that this is a gift of yours because it truly is. Like you you are just able to ask interesting questions. I think you have a gift also of doing things in a very non-judgmental way. It feels curious. It doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like you ever have an answer that you're that you're baiting for. Mm-hmm. What are some of the more interesting conversations that you feel like you've hosted this year? Well, I may thank you for all of that, but I mainly host these conversations. I think that you're referencing in Instagram yes. stories, and I want to say here's why they work so well. Even though I like to think that I am good at starting that conversation, but the reason that they become so interesting is because people will send me, they will DM me the answer to the question that I've asked or share their story or whatever. And then I screenshot it and I yeah. share it in the story. Now, yes. everybody knows that's how this is going to go down. I'm not – that's not shady. I, I hide yeah. their name and their photo yes. so you can't see. And honestly, even though I like to ask the questions, it is that method that I think gives people the freedom to answer because they are a little bit anonymous. If I ask that question in the main feed, I would get – significantly less interesting or as many Mm -hmm. answers because your, you know, your name and photo is there on your handle. But also you're not like so anonymous, like you're, we're on Reddit or something. I mean, we are on Instagram there and I'm sharing these real stories and I choose the ones I share. You know, I share the most interesting ones or the most thoughtful ones. And so people 
I, I I like hold it as such an honor that people trust me that they send their stories and then they know I'm going to take a screenshot of it. I know. <laughs> and they, they know I'm going to share it because that's how this goes. But I do hide their identity, but I guess, you know, they're just trusting that I will, I suppose. But so I, the love, most- I love reading them. I mean, it's like I – whenever you've done one of those, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I know because people will say the thing. They do. I mean, they will really say the thing to me. Yeah. And the most recent one that I hosted that ended up being fascinating, and I just ask this on a whim. These are not like planned, scheduled mm-hmm. Instagram conversations I'm having. I'm having the best ones sort of just come out of the blue. And I ask kind of what had shaken up in their world. I was seeing, I'm seeing a yeah. lot of divorce in our mm-hmm. personal life. Yeah. A lot of marriages are going through it. Yep. And a lot of these things are not that original, like people are struggling with homeschooling, people are struggling with their parents' health. I mean, none of these thoughts are not things that hadn't been discussed elsewhere, but I think that anonymity gave people a freedom to just say the things. And so people were really saying what was happening in their marriages. They weren't just being vague and being like, my marriage has struggled. They were being like, this is what happened. And it's very hard. Or they were saying – you know, things about their in-laws. There was a lot of in-law angst. There was a ton of teenager in the pandemic angst. That was one of the biggest ones I got. Yeah. And so I just screenshot them and share them so that others can read these really vulnerable responses and Mm -hmm. feel like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. I'm not the only one whose husband is being, you know, a jerk during this or whose kids are you know, tinkering on some mental health stuff or, you know, I'm all the things. Yeah. All of the things that are hard that we don't say because we're trying to protect our loved ones. We don't want to say these hard things about our loved ones publicly, no. which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But when you click through and you can see this conversation that I'm having in my DMs because I write them back and then I also post my response, of course. And so I just think people feel a solidarity with it. Yeah. They feel like they're not alone. The, I agree. the other really interesting one I had, this one also came completely out of the blue. I posted about mailing my Christmas cards. Yes. Well, I just asked like a silly little, you know, story poll, like, did you send Christmas cards or not? Yes. And immediately I got a few responses of, I'm single and I have always wanted to send Christmas cards, but I, I'm afraid I'll look dumb or I feel like that's only for families or whatever. Well, I got kind of a couple of those in a row. And so then I posted that and I was like, hey. And so then I didn't even ask for this. Single people started sending me their Christmas cards that they sent out. And, and so they I were so ended good. up, oh my God, they were so good. Many of them were funny, but they didn't have to be funny. They were like about their travels or about their pets or just about their year, like any other Christmas card would be about your year. And I loved it so much. So I I compiled all these single Christmas cards and I made it into a reel and I made it into a highlight. I shared it because there were so many. I mean, I got dozens and dozens of single Christmas cards examples. Yeah. And, you know, I only posted if it was actually the person. You can't send me your friend's single card. I only (laughs) posted, you know, people who was actually their cards. And I just, I'm not a single person. And so I didn't even know that this was um, a, a pain point out there. Like I just hadn't thought of it until someone said it. And so then when I shared all the single cards, just because I happened to be the conduit for that, 
I got so many messages from single people being like, thank you for doing that. Like I've never even thought that I could send a card and I'm going to next year. I just loved it. I loved, I loved it I loved so that much. Too. I, lo- I really enjoyed watching that. And it was like I could relate to it in some sense just because I am divorced. And so that first year sending out a card of just me and the kids, no dad in the photo mm-hmm. – was a whole thing. And and yeah. so I really love that empowerment of seeing single people just be like, here I am. I am valid and I'm sending a card like everyone else. And I do think that sometimes we feel like we can't host those conversations or ask those questions or whatever. And this is all of us, not just people who have podcasts or whatever. Because like I first was feeling like I'm not the one that should be leading this you know, very weird moment in time about single Christmas cards. Like, why am I doing this? But I just think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can all be hosting conversations yes. about a lot of different yes. things. We There's a time to stay in your lane, absolutely. And there's also a time to be like, hey, I just want to open this up. I want to see you. You know, I want you to be able to show yourself. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of asking these questions and facilitating conversation. Your book, I don't know how you did it. I I truly don't. You wrote a book that is a memoir that is absolutely a fascinating memoir if it was just if that's all it was. But you within a memoir, you intersperse these really interesting questions to facilitate conversation. How how did you do it? Okay, well, I this is not the form I ever thought I would write. Like when yeah. I was blogging and I really wanted a book deal back when I was a blogger, I really, really did. But I thought it would be like a traditional memoir or maybe a book of essays if it didn't have like a through line, I guess. But when I started podcasting and framing my podcast episodes, because I had to have some kind of a structure with like a question and an answer – Then when it was time to write a book, which I really wanted to do, this was so natural to to shape it with like each chapter. There's 10 chapters. Each chapter asks one big life question. Mm -hmm. And then like I do on 10 Things to Tell You, I explain why I chose this question, why this question is important, how you can think about this question because they're, they're kind of broad. There's different interpretations. And then I answer the question. And in most of the chapters, I answer the question three different ways. Yeah. So that you can think of it from diff- – answer this question from different time periods in your life or from different angles. And I don't know. It's a it's an unusual structure, to be honest. I've never seen another book really be like this. And I don't – I would have never predicted that this is the book I would write. Truly, I had to wrestle with myself writing it to be like, is mm-hmm. this – is this a book? What is this? But it is. I I really thought it was so brilliant. I enjoyed it so much. I feel like I I feel like I read it. And it's like, I knew myself better. Like, you know, it wasn't just that I read your story, and I knew you better. But like you, you had me examining things in myself. And I think you did, you know, the thing that is so hard for memoirists to do is that you made your story, your unique story, relatable to everybody, because you were not just exploring the things that happened to you, but the themes in your life that are so universal. Oh, well, that's like the kindest thing you could possibly say, because I really do want people to do that with this book. It is not a gimmick. It is not just a thing from the podcast. I love to share my story and I enjoy sharing my story, but I really, really want people to answer these questions for themselves. 
Because I think that when you know yourself better, you become a more compassionate person. You become a person, you know, that other people want to be in relationship with and that you want to bring your best self to the table. Like a lot of those things start with some just traditional navel gazing. Absolutely. Just like getting to know yourself better and being able to identify like these milestones in your life or your point of view. And I think we stop doing that. You know, we do that a lot as a teenager. As a teenager, everyone's very self-involved. It's not that I'm trying to make people be more self-involved necessarily, but I am trying to make people like think more instead of just staying on the surface of their lives. And like just- yeah. Yeah, going with the party line of their religion or their political party or their community or their football team. Like instead of just like going with the flow of these things, these communities we're all a part of, to really like think and answer for yourself, well, how how did I actually get here? Yeah. And I think it's so much more than navel gazing. I mean, I think you're really calling people into self-reflection and insight. And I mean, as a therapist, like no change happens without those things. And Mm -hmm. the healthiest people are people who take time to process to self-reflect and to gain insight into who they are and how they relate to the world. And so, you know, I just feel like you did that really beautifully in the book. Oh, thank you, friend. I really appreciate your endorsement and that you read it early. And I know that's no small thing in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) I really, truly enjoyed it. Okay, let's talk quickly before um, we end about your pre-order bonuses, which I – and I've told you this in private – I think are the coolest pre-order bonuses I've ever seen, and I'm very excited for them. So what do people get Um, if they order the book early, which is like you have like a couple days to do? If they order before the book comes out on February 2nd, then I have three pre-order bonuses. One is a printable companion journal that just goes with each question. That's very pretty and very normal. The other is a Facebook group where we're going to walk through the questions together. It's like a book club for the book. But then the biggie, the one I was most excited to create and to give to the world, is a private podcast series I created called The Secret Tapes. So my uh, monthly newsletter is called The Secret Posts. This is a podcast version called The Secret Tapes. And I had these conversations, a handful of conversations with people I wrote about in the book. So my parents, my siblings, some old friends, many I hadn't talked to in years and years and years. I wrote about them in my book. And so I just emailed them out of the blue and said, hey, I wrote about you in my book. So fun. Can we can we talk about it? And so on mic, on the record, we had these – Amazing conversations. There's some cringeworthy moments for sure. <laughs> you know, it's a, sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's complicated and very beautiful. But when I read a memoir or any kind of nonfiction, I always wonder like, what does their family think that this person wrote this story? You know, totally. wrote about their losing their virginity, which I wrote, write about that in my book. <laughs> and I talk about that with my family. So. It's the private podcast series is called The Secret Tapes. It's a bonus. You can only listen to it if you pre-order. Share yourself out first. Okay. Where can people buy your book and where can people find you online and where can people find your podcast? The book is available anywhere books are sold. So go to your favorite retailer to buy Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. If you want to know more, you can go to Share Your Stuff book dot com. And that will have the bonuses and stuff like that if you want to sign up for those. And I have a weekly podcast called 10 Things to Tell You, and that is at 10thingstotellyou.com. The number 10 
thingstotellyou.com. Also, lastly, my favorite place on the internet where I am every single day is Instagram, and I'm laura.tremaine on Instagram. And people need to be following you there. You are really, truly one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Oh, thank you. That's where those conversations go down is on Instagram. And they are so good. Well, Laura, thank you so much. I am so excited for your book launch. I hope people will run out and grab it because it really is such a good book. Um, And I'm very, very excited to be listening to your secret tapes. (laughs) Thank you, friend. This was super fun. It was. Well, we're going to transition and have a chat with BJ. Um, BJ is our resident therapist and self-help guru. Mm -hmm. Um, So BJ, I'm excited to talk to you today because I know that you got some time away recently and you had some epiphanies. I did. I had... um... I was gifted a week away to a beautiful home in the Palm Springs area by one of my clients. And I typically would have invited my whole family along Uh and and gone and made it a, a, you know, like, how do you get to do this without taking everyone with you? And this time I was in such need of alone time that I decided to take the first four and a half days um, and be there by myself. And my family joined me for New Year's, and so that's why I only did part of the time. But I mean, I literally it was the it was exactly what I needed. The space was so isolated and so quiet, even though it was in a neighborhood. It was in a like a gated community, and I I went and I got settled in, and it literally took me the first thirty six hours mm-hmm. at least. To stop waiting for my husband to walk in the door mm-hmm. or or the phone to ring for a client or whatever. I, I couldn't – I was so – I was so dysregulated around a lack of solitude even though yeah. I really have a lot of solitude. I don't go much of anywhere. I'm really stuck in my house but I'm not alone, alone, alone. Well, and, and, and let's talk about the difference between that for a second, yeah. because I am really struggling with this right now myself. I can yeah. be alone at times, mm-hmm. but you're working. You know, yes. we're all we're all working our butts off. And so I think solitude and being alone are different, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've I can feel my husband's presence in the house, even though I can't tell you what room he's in. <laughs> We talked about this before, right? Like, even when people are leaving you alone, if they're home, you feel on. You feel like you're still on call. I feel like they're going to walk in any minute, and I'm going to get interrupted, and and they could, Uh and and he really understands my need for that, and yet it's it's that introversion part where. It's about energy. I feel the yes. energy of him. It's not that yes. I don't want to see him or don't want mm-hmm. him in the room. I don't want anyone in the room. I need yeah. some complete disconnect, off alone, the hook, grounded, off the hook, yeah. off the grid. And I, I went that. off the grid. No phone, nothing. I turned my phone off almost all day long, every day. I would check it every few hours just to see if my family needed anything. But other than that, I was off the grid. I cleared my calendar, went completely off and was really mindful about not being on social media, about mm-hmm. not doing any of the things that typically are my go-tos. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, what I, what came to me was this realization that I'm pretty good at self-care. I really, really am. 
And yet it's, there's nothing about what I've done during this pandemic that's been enough. Yeah. And I'll say I am not the typical person that listens to our podcast. I don't have children at home. I, that I absolutely have to take care of. We do have our daughters, our granddaughters here two days a week for virtual school by choice. Any day I don't want them here, I don't have to have them here. Mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with the pressures that you single moms do and that people that are working a job from home while doing homeschooling from home and all of that. I don't have that. And yet I still needed more than what I was giving myself or thought I was giving myself. Uh-huh. And I didn't really have that light shown on it until I had that time away. Right. And what I came to realize, and you and I talked about it because you kind of had some of the same epiphanies when I came back and we talked because you had taken a little bit of time and disconnected as well. And realizing there is not enough I can say about the value of creating that space. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked a little bit about it. And we've even joked about it. If you have to go sit in your car and go t- sit around the corner, what? But honestly, you got to find it. Yeah. I'm realizing, even if it's just in pockets, I have a client who has created a space in her closet, and her closet <laughs> is tiny. Uh-huh. But there are times when the only place she can get away from her husband and children and her work and the phone is to go into that closet. And that's where she goes, and she's been doing a lot of, of trauma work. And she's that's where she goes and does her own work. And she tells them, stay out of my room, stay out of my closet, don't come near me, don't interrupt me. Mm-hmm. I'm off the grid for the next 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then she takes that time. It's where she does our calls. We need that space. Our kids need that space. Mm-hmm. I think this goes beyond us. I think this needs to become a mindset in our families where we are modeling this for our kids. I've noticed on the community pod, on the community group, people talking about not being able to get away, but also not really having the boundaries of, listen, guys, this is it. This is what you need to do during this time. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm going to do during this time. And you need your privacy and I need my privacy. Yeah. Um, It's very hard to give yourself that permission. It is. I think it's a permission issue. I do too. I really do. I know it is for me. And I'm the one who typically is giving everyone else permission, but this is where (laughs) our own stuff comes in. And we tend to disconnect and have this cognitive dissonance between us and the people we are talking to and talking to ourselves, giving Mm -hmm. others something that we're not giving ourselves. And we're really quick. This is what I mean when I talk about abandoning ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're abandoning ourselves often out of the goodness of our hearts. We're oh, for sure. putting people in front of ourselves for sure. because of our generosity, because of our compassion and care. But when we do that at the sacrifice of giving our, ourselves the same level of generosity and self-care and empathy and compassion, it really isn't serving anyone because we're depleting ourselves at the very time. And then we end up being resentful. Totally. So, I think it's just really crucial that we we find ways, and I think there are ways that we don't often think about. This is something that takes a lot of intention and, like you said, permission. First of all, you've got to say, it is okay for me to tell my kid, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah. I need you to go. I love your 20 minutes of reading thing because you're kind of typically, I think, fixing dinner during that time, but I think – what if everybody had a 20 minutes of reading and that's when you hid in the bathroom? Or hid no, in the listen, car? Um, honestly, 
it, that is that is what it's turning into for me. It's not while yeah. I'm making dinner. It's after dinner. And there so we we have dinner. We all cl- – everyone helps clean up dinner. Mm-hmm. And then we have the 30 minutes. And if I, if I don't need to do something else, I'll sit and read, which is very actually fulfilling for me too, to just sit mm-hmm. in a quiet house. Yep. Um, but I often will – go do something for myself during that 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, and you can put that – you you can put in a 30 minutes of quiet at very young ages. Yes. Very young. In you fact, know, two, you three. Should. Yes. Because if you start when they're teenagers, you're never going to get them to cooperate. Or not never, but it's harder to get them to it's cooperate. It's harder. Because it's I didn't – I, I took a long break in doing yeah. this. And yes, mm-hmm. they're very whiny about yeah. it. But – yeah. Tough shit. <laughs> exactly. And that's the problem is you've got to be able to say tough shit. Yes, this is you the, do. This is what we're doing. You do. Because if you can't bring yourself to do that, and if you're letting a kid follow you around the house, mm-hmm. de- decompressing their day all day long, but you never have a space right. for that, and you don't give yourself space for that, that's on you. Yeah. You've got to yeah. create it. And I want to say this too about that whole mom guilt you know, thing of like, we feel guilty doing that. One of the things that I've had to kind of self-talk to myself is, do I want my kids to be terrible at self-care? Because my mother was terrible at Mm self-care. She truly was. No boundaries. um, Always a martyr. And I'm very bad at self-care. I mean, that's why I started this podcast. It's very (laughs) – it's not – it's not easy for me. And so one of the ways that I'll talk to myself is like, you have to model this for your kids. Like, this is a part of good parenting is telling them, mom's off the clock right now. I'm having me time right now, like that they can see me doing that because Mm -hmm. then they can give themselves permission to do that. Absolutely. That is the most crucial element of all of this is that we all have a story. Most moms have a story mm-hmm. that we, that we are, are being selfish. If we do that, this, we're supposed we to, yeah. we're supposed to sacrifice everything. Right. And we come last. And there's even a culture that supports that. And yeah. that's the, that's what we have to break. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's physiological things that we need to do before we can do anything psychological around this because our bodies hold all of that story. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start physiologically, we can't shift psychologically. Yeah. So being able to recognize that there are things we can do, um, First of all, really paying attention to what we put into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I know right now we're giving ourselves a lot of, of permission to and grace to eat what you want to eat, have that extra glass of wine, whatever. But just know there's a price to be paid yeah. when you make those choices. And doing that as a treat is different from doing that every day. Our caffeine intake is one of the most important things because I think a lot of people run on caffeine. I know I did as a young mom. It was like all day long, started with Diet Coke and went all day with Diet Coke. And I think there's there's ways that we need to be careful about that. Up to 250 milligrams of caffeine a day is actually helpful for your your central nervous system. Beyond that, you're abusing caffeine mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. takes a major toll. Even if you think it doesn't affect your sleep, it affects your sleep. It affects everything oh, yeah. about your body. And so Well and when I, you're when you're abusing it, that's when you keep having to re up. You know, that's that right. you're crashing you've all got day. The, yeah, you're having the withdrawal symptoms when yeah. you come off of it. And so you're it's kind of it becomes like a drug. Yeah. Um the same thing around our our diet and exercise. One of the things that's been so hard during this is finding time to exercise. But even if you just move your body the least bit, every chance that you get, because 
what's really affecting us is our levels of dopamine mm-hmm. and the ways that all the feel good hormones are not being mm-hmm. exerted Attended to. Yeah. Yes. And the, and exercise is the easiest way to jumpstart that. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a lot. It, anything, any movement of your body is better than nothing. Yeah. Take every opportunity to do that. And um, if you can, if you can, you know, find the way to do it, you can get that exercise and that alone time at the same time. Exactly. For me, that's hugely beneficial if I can get out of the house and this can be weather dependent and go take a walk. I'm not only clearing my mind, I'm getting solitude and I'm getting physical exercise at the same time. Absolutely. And there's times when you voxer me when you're walking and I've done that's me too. Sometimes I need that connection with friends that's different from my connection with my family or anyone else. And I use those times. I I try to double up those things because my time is limited. And if I don't go, if I'm not careful, I'll say, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. And I don't have time for this. But if I can layer those things and feed my soul in some different way. I've got friendships that if I can just connect with them for five minutes, even if it's just through Voxer, that feeds my soul in a way that if I just go and maybe sometimes I just need to be alone. Sometimes I need to vent and sometimes I need just another voice that's connecting with mine. And so sometimes I do double up on those things. I'm careful not to do it all the time, but sometimes I will. There's a, there's so many things that we can get into. And I don't want to, I don't want this to just be a list of things. I want it to be an understanding of the value that you deserve this time. Yeah. And you're worthy of taking this time. And honestly, if you don't, we've still got a long road ahead of us in this pandemic. And we've reached that point where it's mental now. Oh, I feel that. We have gone, we've ridden the wave of physical, financial, all these different things. And now we're in the mental phase of this and it is really taking a toll on people emotionally and mentally. And if we don't prioritize whatever pockets of time, even if it's five minutes, five times a day, do it. Don't tell yourself you don't have enough time or it's not worth it. Every minute you give yourself, even if it's just a mantra, even if it's just sitting still Mm -hmm. in the midst of the chaos, but going inside and reminding yourself, I'm not a bad mom. I'm a really good mom. Mm -hmm. I don't usually yell at my kids. And that doesn't make me a bad mom that I just yelled at my kids. Whatever messaging you need to give to yourself, if that's the best gift you can give yourself in a 30-second period, give yourself that. If putting headphones on and listening to your music so you don't have to hear everybody else's, do that. Whatever it is, don't make excuses for the length of time you have to do it. Because if we don't piece together some of this, and if we don't intentionally set aside time for it, then it's never going to happen. And we're not going to recover from this because I'm really, the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. Right now in the New York area, they have literally quadrupled what they typically have in a suicide rate right now. Wow. And I think it's worse in in those areas where people have winter and you're not able to get outside and you're not able to move your body. Find ways to do it. If you can find ways to do it with your kids, if you but also find that time that you escape and get away. I'm also going to upload to the show notes some resources that I often give my clients around psychological grounding and centering 
um, and processing because so much of what is really making this hard for us is that we're carrying the trauma of it and we're compounding it on a daily basis Mm. and we don't have enough outlets for it. Not everyone can afford therapy. If you can, please, please take advantage of it. If you can't, I'm going to actually list some people on Instagram that you can follow. I have curated my social media so that I'm encouraged every time Mm -hmm. I get on it. That's really important. It is. So I'm going to list some places, some accounts you can follow where you can, it's not just all positive, good stuff. We're talking about people that are really make you stop and think about how you're taking care of yourself, ways you can take care of yourself, how you can connect to yourself and how you can make sure that you're setting good boundaries for yourself. And it's really important that you feed your, your mental and emotional health with constant reinforcement because it's not going to come from within right now for most of us. Yeah. And then I'm also going to give you a, a grounding exercise that's really good. It's best if you can do it outside in your bare feet, but if all you've got is your is your the carpet under your desk, that'll work too. Um I'm going to include a writing protocol that's really good for processing frustration and anything that's bothering you. It's a 10 minute protocol. You can do it for five. Um, you can do it multiple times, but you can't do it for longer than 10 or it's not effective, but it's based mm. in science and research. And I have a couple of clients who call it their medicine. They do it every single day. Oh, I like and that. then I'm, I want to speak a little bit into the verbal processors in the group. A lot of us need to be able to process what we're experiencing verbally. And those of us who are like that, and I'm one of them. I, I've i gone through a lot of shame. I can't tell you. I have a stack of journals that have no more than two or three pages written in them. The <laughs> Me too. Last one, the last one literally has one page. And the entry says, I've never been good at keeping a journal. This is the time I'm going to try to so do it at funny. least once a week. And there's no more entries in that journal. And I have been in so much shame over the years for not being able to use writing as a means of processing information, but I can't, my brain works too quickly. I can't write or type as fast as I can think. And I need to get it out. I need to get it out with a lot of detail and work my way through to what matters. And it's like sifting, but I need to say it all to sift it out. I was telling Kristen, my husband will hear me whispering in the house and he'll be like, she's working something out. I'm either having an imaginary conversation (laughs) with someone that I can't actually have or that I need to have and I'm planning for it. Or I might be just processing through something I'm feeling and trying to make sense of it or whatever. I've even been, there's times when I'm even writing chapters of my book verbally in my mind and I'll even record them because then I can go back and sift it down to what I actually want to say. But I need to get that out. And a lot of people are just verbal processors, but they don't have an outlet for that. Or maybe you don't want to keep burdening your family with that right now because you've got people in your house that are trying to find their own way of practicing self-care too. Yeah, And so being able to do that um, and finding ways to do it for yourself is really crucially important. So get in your car and talk to yourself. Go for a walk and talk to yourself. Your na- neighbors might be your cra- think you're crazy, but if you put your headphones in, they'll just think you're singing with the music. <laughs> and I- I'm telling you, I if I even have to at times, there's a lot of, of things around chakras that get affected by this. And when we feel like we can't 
process through something well verbally, it's usually because there's something in the throat chakra that's stopping us. And if you're doing any kind of trauma work, you're going to have that come up occasionally. And so what I'll have people do is get in their car and sing really loud with the music or scream or scream into a pillow if they can't get out, whatever it is to kind of break it open. We can tend to be really, really polite in the way we show up in the world. And sometimes we need to let go of our politeness and be able to feel and say whatever we think and not have to filter it. And if you need an outlet for that, then find one and give yourself that outlet because it can be so freeing to get to to the part of what you're experiencing that you do have the ability to manage and control and do something about. And it's all this other stuff that gets in the way, the stuff that's kind of out of our control that keeps us really stuck. And when we can verbally process our way through that, let go of what we can't control, and then lean into what we can, the grounded and centeredness that we feel in that can just carry us through that day. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.